Security is not the absence of danger. It's the presence of God. You know, you cannot protect yourself against every threat. Uh, You've got to learn to deal with the problems and face the threats in the midst of life. He's now a pastor, but he was once a royal constabulary officer caught up in the strife of Northern Ireland. Philip DeCourcy is my guest now on First Person. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. I'd like to thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for supporting First Person so that you can hear the stories of people who have dedicated their lives to Jesus Christ and His kingdom. FEBC would like to offer you a free 30-day online devotional featuring scripture and radio listener testimonies from different countries of the world where FEBC broadcasts the gospel. Go to firstpersoninterview.com where you'll find a sign-up form to receive the devotional. I use it frequently, and I think you'll enjoy it as well. firstpersoninterview.com. Philip DeCourcy is the senior pastor of Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, California. His syndicated radio program, which I host each day on many radio stations, is called Know the Truth. I'm very much challenged by his preaching, and since there's quite a story behind it, I thought you would enjoy hearing the details of Philip's story, which began in Belfast, Northern Ireland. I did, and it's good to be with you, Wayne. I appreciate you, your friendship and partnership in the gospel. And and look, we all know that the home and the family, you know, is uh, the most formative factor in our lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, in God's plan and purpose, I was born into a Christian home just outside the city of Belfast. And uh, my mother and father knew the Lord. Uh, My father had been brought to faith at a major evangelistic rally in Belfast uh, some years before, actually. And uh, John MacArthur's father, Jack MacArthur, was part of that. So it's kind of a small world when we get to the part of my story where I come out to the Master's Seminary. But born into that home, and uh, looking back now from a believing and and faith position, I realize uh, that was more of a blessing than a burden. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a great home. It wasn't all, you know, Bible readings and church. Uh, It was a great home, vacations in England and Scotland and in Ireland. My my dad loved sports and was a big soccer fan, and we we, we bought that bug. And uh, actually, for a time, uh, he played with some of the young men in the church alongside us. So it was a great home. I have very happy memories uh, of a sister, Lisa, and a brother, Ian. So uh, just looking back in those early years, you know, um, God's providence, uh, the home I was born into, the city, uh, even though, you know, Northern Ireland would, would soon, you know, implode into conflict, it was a good country to live in, beautiful, good people. Yeah. I want to talk more about your family life as time permits here, but you, you, you were raised in a, in a country of strife. Uh, how did that affect your life? Well, you know, it's hard to escape it. I mean, it, it's it's in my teenage years, you know, you 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 know, become very conscious of it. The troubles themselves kind of start late sixties, early seventies. I was born in nineteen sixty one, so hey, you know, for for a good part of it, I'm oblivious. But when you get into that early teenage years, I mean, it's just hard to avoid the news, the bombs, the shootings. I lived in a blue collar um, area outside Belfast, and and given the divide where the Protestants 
Christians wanted to stay part of the United Kingdom, and the majority of Catholics wanted Ireland to be reunited. Uh, At least along the kind of working class areas was very divided. In fact, if you went to certain areas, you knew where you were. And Mm. and, and I don't know if our listeners can connect with this, but if you're in a kind of Protestant pro-British area, the sidewalks were painted red, white, and blue. Really? Yeah. So you knew you were in a place where the Union Jack was prized. If you're in a Catholic area, they were painted green, white, and gold, For which Ireland. was the tricolor yeah. of Ireland. And so it was a very divided community. In fact, you needed to be careful where you went. Uh, you're in the wrong area at the wrong time. Mm. Literally could have lost your life. And, but you that know, was normal for you. It was normal. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's, as we see troubles across the world today, we look from the outside in horror and horror and wonder how people can live in that. And yet when you're in the middle of conflict, it, 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 it's just part and parcel of your life. And look, while I was growing up, growing up in a Christian home and I wasn't taught to hate, um, you know, you, you pick sides. Hmm. And, you know, uh, so I got involved a little in, in fighting and defending my area against Catholics and the IRA. And, you know, I'm not proud of that necessarily, but that's just who, who I was. Did it what divide friendships? Well, that's a good question. I, 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 am, he, I have a memory of this. I, I don't, I, you know, because the areas became so divided that early on in the Troubles, and literally Protestants were burned out of Catholic areas and Catholics were burned out of Protestant. I don't mean people were burned, their houses were burned. And I remember the few Catholic friends that I did have in those early days. Um, I remember there came a time when literally in a night or two, you know, windows were smashed, houses were, tra- you know, trounced and they disappeared. Mm. And I, you know, I did grow up with one or two Catholic friends. Uh, you know, I think of a young man, John Gian was a really good friend of mine. And we tried to, you know, work past some of those things, but it's hard. It's hard in, in conflict. Northern Ireland was so divided, Wayne, that I remember years later when I became a Christian, a pastor told me a humorous story about an, a woman in, in her, his church that came to him one day and says, Pastor... Are, are Jews Catholics or Protestants? <laughs> and that's tragic. It's kind of humorous, but tragic. Because in Northern Ireland, soccer, politics, music, everything fitted into two categories. Right. Catholic, Protestant, pro-British, <laughs> pro-Irish. And, and I grew up in that. And, 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 you know, in God's providence, you know, I, I've used the word providence quite a bit, Wayne, about God's plan and governing of our lives. You know, Hebrews talks about he, he sends his angels to watch over the elect. I look back on my life. Several of my friends actually got into terrorism. I was always kind of around the edges of it. I, I was in homes where there were guns and talk. Um, but, but, but either my conscience, my upbringing held me back. God in his goodness protect me. Several of my friends actually did get involved in Protestant terrorist groups, involved in shootings and bombings. I was around the edge of the uh, edge of that, you know, even tragically sympathetic to that. Hmm. But but in God's goodness, get, didn't get drawn into the heart of and it. And the home made the difference for you? I think the home made the difference. I think that's a good point. Because, you know, I was taught right from wrong. Uh, I, I knew the gospel. I, I, I knew of God's holiness. I, I knew I was... You know, Jesus calls us to love our neighbor, not hate them. And, and, I, and you know, that conflict, it, it, you know, wanting to go one way, but knowing it's the wrong way. And, and I think, I remember being in the middle of a riot, literally a riot, 
you know, bottles, stones. We were fighting with the police. And in the middle of that, this smote by conviction. This is wrong. I shouldn't be here. I even imagined, Wayne, that if I got arrested at that moment, being hauled to the front door of my dad's, you know, the shame I would bring. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm this, this, this spiritual battles going on for my soul, for, for, for my future and, and the gospel, the word of God, the church, godly influences in my life. My grandmother was a believer. All of that, I think, had a restraining influence. I have a lot of friends in Ukraine who are going through something very similar right now. It's not sectarian, right. but it's, it's a battle, and it's yeah. very real in their lives, and yet their lives have to go on. And, and the Lord has to really step in. Yeah, and, and in my life, he did. It was at the age of 16, on the 20th of January, 1978. I'd heard the gospel win, as I've just had intimated, you know, believed it was true, knew I had to settle this account with God. Um, but it didn't happen until the evening uh, of the 20th of January, 1978. Heard the gospel preached on Matthew 24, 44. In such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. And that, that verse was used by God to bring me to faith in Christ because my whole modus operandi was I'm kind of, I'm running from God. I knew I was running from God, but, I, but someday I'll turn back and, and I'll make this right, but just not right now. Yeah. And that verse that night reminded me, hey, you don't get to make the choice. Jesus could come at any moment. I lived in a country marked by death. Death could sweep me away. And in God's goodness that night, I was brought to that place, hey, I'm not going to gamble with my soul anymore. I'm not going to play Russian roulette with my eternal happiness. And I trusted Christ at the age of 16, and, and things changed radically. Before you became a pastor, though, you did get involved in what was going on by becoming an officer, a royal constabulary yeah, I mean, officer. Uh, today I'm a pastor, but you know, uh, left, came to Christ at 16, left school at 16, and uh, had, a, had, had du- dual kind of career paths. I was an engineer by day. I was a full-time aircraft engineer, worked in a large aerospace company in Belfast called Short Brothers. Today it's owned by Bombardier of Canada, but uh, or Bombardier, I'm not sure how that's, yeah. how I've heard it <laughs> Americans say pronounced. Bombardier, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 um, but because of the troubles, and, and, and God had brought me to a good place, Now I, I wanted to, to help our country. And so I joined the, the uh, Royal Ulster Constabulary, the police in Northern Ireland. I was in North Belfast for six years. That sounds dangerous to me. It, hey, it, it, it is. Not only sounds dangerous, it was dangerous. North Belfast had a, had a, a pocket of IRA terrorists there. Um, our station looked more like, you know, Fort Knox. We had bomb walls. We had all, all kinds of security um, barriers around it. We, we wore body armor. We were in armored cars. Uh, we took different routes to the station in and out so we didn't set ourselves up. Very much what our soldiers are dealing with in, in Iraq, this kind of roadside bombs, ambushes. Um, we were actually more likely to be killed off duty than on duty. And, and it was stressful. Um, but I, as a believer, dealt with it in prayer, mm. you know, uh, pray and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart. And, and I, I, I realized that, you know, I needed to take care of my own security, but um, ultimately my life was in God's hands. My times are in his hands. And one of the things I've said often, and, and I just finished with this, Wayne, on this part, you know, security is not the absence of danger. It's the presence of God. Amen. As a police officer in Northern Ireland, I could not run from danger. I literally carried a weapon on me, shopping, going to church, 
on my job during the day and then at my side when I was on patrol. My wife never put my uniform on the washing line. We didn't tell our neighbors I was in the police. You didn't know who was an IRA sympathizer. And so your life was, was under this constant threat. Check my car for undercar booby traps, which was one of the IRA's favorite weapons. But you know what? One, out of love for my country, out of a desire to make sure that the IRA didn't win, uh, but more than that, out of a, out of a, of, of a belief that, that, you know what, they can't touch me unless God wills it. Uh, my, the day of our death is appointed according to Ecclesiastes 3. There's a day to be born and there's a day to die. And while I did what was humanly responsible to do, at the end of the day, I trusted God's sovereignty, and that's where I found my peace. And as Christians today, we need to continue to find our peace and security and faith in Jesus Christ and the promise that nothing will separate us from his love. We'll continue to get acquainted with Pastor Philip DeCourcy of Know the Truth coming up on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon of the Far East Broadcasting Company. As you listen to First Person, Please take a few moments to visit our website and learn more about FEBC. At firstpersoninterview.com, you can sign up without obligation for a free daily online devotional that will inspire you with stories and scripture telling how God works through our broadcasts in many countries. Learn more and sign up for our 30-day devotional at firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Pastor Philip DeCourcy. Philip is senior pastor of Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, California. Something I say quite often on the radio because I host a radio program. Yeah, we're, know delighted, the truth. we're delighted you're uh, on the team. Yeah, and I, I, I'm thrilled to serve alongside you, Philip. It's a wonderful ministry. Uh, you grew up in Ireland. Uh, you served in the Royal Ulster Constabulary. Um, quite, you were an aircraft engineer yep. working in a plant. Yes. But you became a pastor. Talk about the calling. What, what was going on? during this time in your life. Absolutely. And you know what? I want to say this, because I think this is important, Wayne, because I think people sometimes who are not in what we call full-time Christian service. Oh, I make this point often. Yeah, feel guilty. I had a calling to be a police officer. Yeah. I had a calling to be an aircraft engineer. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, because one of the fruits of the Protestant Reformation, and we're celebrating its 500th anniversary this year in 2017, was... There is no distinction between the clergy and the laity. We, they recovered what's called the priesthood of all believers. And, and, and we're all priests. We're all ministers. We're all servants of God. And for a time in my life, that worked itself out in doing a good job as an aircraft engineer and, and doing a good job as a police officer. And we can serve the Lord. In fact, think about this without getting off onto a tangent. Romans 13 calls the government the minister of God. So when I put a uniform on and serve my country, and serve the government, I am serving God because the government is one of God's servants. But, you know, during all this time, I'm at work during the day in engineering and out at the police at night and the weekends, I'm serving the Lord in my local church. I had a a class of 10-year-old boys. I loved it. Taught them every Sunday. Got involved in open-air preaching. And then a couple of older men in the church, and my father loved the Word of God and and, and saw preachers and the expositors of God's words, the Word as as heroes. I'm in this kind of culture where preaching the Word of God is a high and a holy calling. And, And God began to burden me. Uh, about preaching. I, I, I loved doing it when I got the opportunity. Man came alongside me and encouraged me, hey, you need to think about, you know, going to Bible college and getting a training. And so... Was there a the, first sermon, by the way? 
Uh, that's a good question. I and I, I don't know if I remember consciously what I'd call call my f- official first sermon. Two things stand out would be, I remember my first day preaching in the open air, <laughs> where they stick a microphone under my nose and go, "Hey, brother, preach away." <laughs> and I'm in the I'm in out on the streets where I used to, you know, hang about with the wrong crowd, and and so that was challenging and yet liberating. Where I I learned that the fear of man is a snare and you've got to beat it. Um, then I think maybe Sunday night, there was a Sunday night early on in, in my Christian ministry where um, our pastor said, hey, we'd like you to preach. But I got opportunities. I was involved in evangelism through Baptist Youth in Ireland. And just this, you know, if a man desires the office of a, a bishop, he desires a good thing, says, says Paul to Timothy. And, and the word desire there, one of the words carries the idea of passion, a strength of desire. And there was a growing desire. Loved engineering. I uh, saw myself, you know, 30 years later with my golden handshake and a watch, uh, you know, or the police, whatever. But my desires began to change. Yeah. And I believe God had gifted me and, and called me to preach the word. And uh, that became so uh, overwhelming that I surrendered to that and went to the Irish Baptist College. And was June surrendered to that as well, your That's wife? That's a good question. Uh, it's a great question and a great story because, you know, God works in, always on both sides of a problem. He's working on parallel lines. I'm God's stirring me in Northern Ireland to get get in the ministry and go to the Baptist College. My wife is in Scotland. She's in Glasgow. Uh, she's a typist at a hospital. Uh, writes up doctor's notes after surgery. And yet God's stirring her something else for her to do. And she comes over to Northern Ireland. Uh, at the same time, I'm going to the Baptist College. She goes to a Presbyterian school in Northern Ireland, the Whitfield College of the Bible. Bible. And uh, God in his providence brings us about through a game of soccer. And I, and I, I gotta fit <laughs> Why this am in. I not yeah, surprised? Yeah, I got to fit this in. I love American football. I'm a big Buckeye fan, as you know, but I've still got my love for soccer, Manchester United and Glasgow Rangers. But long story short, I end up playing at a soccer game at, at a, an event in Northern Ireland. And I, I become friends with a guy on the other team who's Scottish. We end up talking and uh, his pastor in North, in Scotland grew up in the church I go to. My father was his Sunday school teacher, small world. I began a friendship with Robert Elliott, who's my wife's brother. And then through Robert, I meet June, June Elliott. And uh, we, we, we met in Scotland at Robert's wedding. And then we learned she's coming to Northern Ireland to go to Bible college. And the God knit our hearts. We had a passion for ministry. So when I started the Baptist College, she starts at the Whitfield College of the Bible. And, and God kind of fuses our lives and our passions for Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for her. So you've got the Scottish-Irish thing going on. You've Absolutely. got the Baptist-Presbyterian thing going yeah. on. Yeah. Who says mixed marriages don't work? That's exactly huh? right. Good point. <laughs> you got to work at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, Philip, as I said, you serve as a senior pastor today and have a national radio ministry. What does it mean to you to rightly divide the truth, to handle the Word of God? Wow. It's funny you bring that up, Wayne, because I just preached that passage here at our church at, at Kindred. We have a men's ministry, and I'm going through Second Timothy with the guys, a series called Without Apology. And we, we looked at that recently where Paul says, you know, be a workman uh, who, who rightly divides the word of truth, being approved of God and not being ashamed. And it's everything. And because if God speaks through his word, which he does, 
You know, God has spoken through prophets and apostles and in these last days through his son. If we want to, if, if we want to hear the voice of God, if man is to hear the good news of the gospel, we can't muzzle the word of God. And if, if we're called to preach it, the last thing we want to do is misrepresent God. I think that's a horrible thought. And every preacher needs to wake up every morning, go to their study, and when they mount the steps to their pulpit, the fear of that should drive us to good things. We can't muzzle God and we can't misrepresent God. And that drives me. You know, we're sitting in my study here at the church office. We are surrounded by books and my Bibles because I want to rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, Dr. Dick Mayhew, my first day at the Master's Seminary when I came over in 1994 for a second round of theological education, he said something that day that I have, for want of a better phrase, tattooed uh, uh, onto my conscience, um, where he said, the greatest blasphemy is to take an inerrant Bible that teaches a sinless Christ and preach it with error. Mm -hmm. And that has driven me, uh, Dr. MacArthur, uh, my friend and mentor, the, the, the professors at the Master's Seminary. I think that's what drives us. You know, we have, as one Puritan said, we have a precise God. So let's preach his word with precision, yeah. and that drives me. Yeah. As you said, we're sitting in your library, your study, and you're surrounded by these books. And it's one of the things I appreciate about you, Philip, is your understanding of history, and you're, you're, you're so well-read, and, and you don't just read it and let it go, you incorporate what you learn into the teaching of God's word as well. Yeah. Uh, the quotations that you seem to rattle off the top of your head right. amazes me sometimes. Sure. Well, I mean, on the quotation, Spurgeon said, you know, no one will quote you if you don't quote someone else. So, <laughs> so you know, and none of us are smart enough. At Warren Wearsby, who you love and, and, yeah. and, and I love, uh, I've never met him in person, but I feel oh, like- we need I, to work on yeah, that. I feel like I know him. You know, he said, look, milk everybody and make your own butter. And, <laughs> and, and uh, Paul says in Ephesians 3, comprehend with all the saints the love of God. And so good books and the writings of trustworthy man feed my thinking. Plus, this is important to me, you know, I want to be contemporary in the sense, what was that old youth for Christ, you know, anchored to the rock and geared to the times? Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I want to be. You know, maybe we can come up with a more modern, you know, rephrasing of that. But I want to be contemporary. I want to speak to my culture. I want to speak in a language that my people understand. But I don't want to be contemporary in the sense that I cut myself off from the past. And I see this going on. I had that with the emergent, church emergent movement, you know, this, this kind of criticizing of grandmother's church. No, um, I don't want to be party to that. I want to believe that my church is part of something God's been doing across the centuries. The sweep of God's hand through Absolutely. history. Absolutely. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And Jesus sent his apostles out and said, people are going to believe on what you say. And there's this kind of chain reaction across the years that Jesus will continue to be part of until the end of the age. And so I want my church to look and feel like a church that belongs in this century. But I don't want it to be where a, a, a reformer of the 16th century or the Puritan of the 17th century or an, eight, an evangelical of the 18th century walks in and doesn't recognize what we are and who we are. Uh, so it's important to me to preach the faith once delivered to the saints. It's important to me to carry on the faith uh, of our forefathers. I mean, read the Psalms. It, you, you read about that one generation speaking to the next. My guest has been Philip DeCourcy of Kindred Community Church and Know the Truth Radio. 
Phillips' proclamation of God's Word is marked by boldness and clarity, and it's hard to beat that lilting Irish accent. You'll find links to his church, his radio program and podcast, and his books at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. I would welcome your feedback on any of our interviews from week to week. Our Facebook page is the best way to leave a comment, and that can be found easily at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. And don't forget this week to sign up for a terrific online devotional from the Far East Broadcasting Company. There's no charge or obligation, and you can register at firstpersoninterview.com. Now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.